Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 24. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know that Jesus has been crucified and hung on the cross between two thieves. And it is the Sabbath day, and Joseph of Arimathea requests the body of Jesus for, from Pilate. And we know that that was a big deal, because in John chapter 9, uh, you might want to look that up in your own time, John chapter 9, it tells us that it had been determined that if anyone had anything to do with the carpenter of Galilee, that he would be excommunicated. So Joseph going to get the body of Jesus was a really big deal. It was actually Joseph and Nicodemus. It's the Sabbath day, I told you. And because it's the Sabbath day, they have to move quickly. And so they sponge Jesus' body. They, they actually prop up a ladder, get him down off the cross. Can you get that picture in your mind's eye? And they throw a dead body over their shoulders, the weight of a dead body, and the blood is covering them. And they're good Jews. Think about this. They are good Jews. And a good Jew would never come into contact with blood or a dead body like that. But because it's Jesus, they don't care. You know, when you really want to get to Jesus, you don't care what gets in the way between you and Jesus. And getting to him. Is that right? And so they they throw him over their shoulders, they bring him down, they sponge off his body, they wash the wounds, they wrap him in linen cloth, and they place him in Joseph's new tomb. I told you last time, and I think worthy to repeat, from a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. Jesus, from a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. They put him in Joseph's new tomb, and they roll the stone in front of it. Matthew tells us that Pilate put a guard at the tomb. I always find it very interesting that the Romans are guarding a dead man. Things that make you go, hmm. The Romans are guarding a dead man. Well, last time we left Jesus in the tomb. It seems like all hope is gone. In their minds, the disciples, Jesus has been crucified and dead and is now buried. I've titled this sermon, A Walk to Remember. I just really discovered last service that there is a movie called A Walk to Remember. Yes, I just found this out last service. There's a movie, A Walk to Remember. Some, some what is there? Uh, uh, what was the star? C- Candy, Candy Moore. Mandy. Who's she? She ain't nobody if I don't know her, so. Mandy Moore? She was a Christian. In the movie, movie, she was a Christian. Oh, then it was a lovely movie, I'm sure. (laughs) A Walk to Remember, I've titled this sermon not after the movie. I just, it's in the text, you'll see. As Jesus shows up 
the two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, saints, beginning in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, somebody, anybody, say amen. amen. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices, which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men, two angels stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they, the angels said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is what saints risen. Remember, they said how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Don't you remember? And then they remembered his words. And then they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to the 11. Judas is gone. So they told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other woman with them who told those, these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like fairy tales, idle tales. I can't believe this. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and he ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. It's Easter in June. Easter in June. It's resurrection Morning here in Luke chapter 24, we have the resurrection story. In verse 1, go ahead and look at it. It tells us that it was early in the morning. Early in the morning, they came to the tomb. And the reason they came to the tomb was to finish the job of preparing the body of Jesus. Now listen, all four Gospels as you read, are y'all listening? As you read all four Gospels, you will find that each of them mention that it was early in the morning. Or they might say that it was before dawn. It was early in the morning. Listen, I honestly believe that there's something very biblical and very spiritual about early in the morning. You know, some people, they, they are not, they tell you, I'm not a morning person. I'm just not a morning person. I just don't do mornings. Anybody know anybody like that? I just, I just don't do mornings. Anybody in here like that? <laughs> oh, a lot of y'all. Okay, well, this one's for you. I'm trying to be nice now that I know I've got people in here who, who I will be talking about in just a second. Um... You know, I just really believe that there's something very biblical, very spiritual about early in the morning. I believe that, you know, getting up in the morning, starting your day with Jesus is the best way to start your day. You know, the coffee commercials will make you believe that the best way to start your day is with Folgers in your cup. Ah, the best way to start your day is with Jesus in your heart and the word of God in your face. Early in the morning, you know, David talks about in Psalm 63, verse one, you might want to write that down. Psalm 63, verse one says, oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. 
Psalm 8, verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Proverbs, pardon me. Did I say Proverbs or Psalm? I meant Proverbs. Proverbs 8, 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Listen, try it. Just try it. Get up early. You know, people make all kinds of New Year's resolutions. Well, here's one. Make a New Year's resolution in June. Start trying to, you know, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to start my day with Jesus. You know what? I honestly believe, try it. Your day will go much different if you get up in the morning and somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. If you get up in the morning and you start your day by reading the Bible, 10, 15 minutes, you don't need to stay there all day long. You got to go to work. We understand. God understands. But if you take 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, if you, while you're having your coffee, read the word of God, you'd be surprised how blessed your day will go. Your heart will change. Your situations won't change and the boss won't change. He will still be the creep he was last week. And, and, and I don't know why I said that. And, and it, everything will be the same, but your heart will be different and your mind will be different. And you'll think through things different as you start Early in the morning. You know what? I honestly don't believe that, that, that early in the morning uh, is just a reference to the time of day. I think also seeking the Lord early in life is also important. You know, that's why we have VBS here. And that's why we, have, we give gr- a lot of attention and a lot of resources to our children's ministry here and to our VBS, our Vacation Bible School here. Because we believe that if we start with our children early... I believe that we'll build less detention centers, juvenile detention centers. I believe there'll be less crime and and problems on the street from our youth. And we've got billions of dollars in youth programs in our country. And yet, if you tell them about Jesus in school, that's a problem. That doesn't make sense. Listen, if you can get them early. When they're a kid, that's why every parent, especially with every, every parent who has a child in that children's ministry needs to be down there serving in that children's ministry because that's where they make, you make a difference. You may, somebody say amen. Clap your hands. Do something. Breathe. That's where you make a difference. Down there, early, like the kids that came to Jesus. And, and Jesus would take the kids and sit them on his lap and teach them. Jesus taught kids. I'll tell you something. If you can teach a child, you can teach anybody, especially for some of y'all would-be preachers. Listen, go start in children's ministry. You want, a, you want a church? You want to start a church? Go start a church in children's ministry because kids are tough. <laughs> kids will tell you straight, won't they? You'll say something, and they'll say, Mr., excuse me, what you just said doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's stupid. Kids are rough, boy. I mean, you can, you can break it down. But what I'm saying is that if you can take all that high theology that you learned and that you've understood or that you've sat here and gathered all these years and you can bring it down to the level of a child just like Jesus did, that's where it really matters. We need to seek the Lord early, bring our children to Jesus early in life. Mark chapter 16, verse 3, you write that down in your own time. Look it up. It tells us that as these ladies are walking... 
and talking, they're asking the question, who's going to roll the stone away for them? In verse 2, it tells us, notice in verse 2, go ahead and look at it. When they got there, the stone had already been rolled away. In other words, saints, listen, watch this. You're going to love it. Listen. They were worried about who was going to roll the stone away. But when they got there, their heavy duty problem, the stone had already been taken care of. I tell you that to tell you this. The thing that you are worrying about is already taken care of. God's already. You know, we sit around, we worry about things, we worry about things, half the things we worry about, I want to say some psychologist who had no life, it sat around and he was, did a study of some sort and it, it was reported that, you know, 93% of the things that we worry about never happen. They never come to pass. For the believer, listen, what you are concerned about and what you are worried about, God has already taken care of it. Just like these ladies were concerned about and worried about who's going to roll the stone away, it was already taken care of. The thing that you are fearful and freaking out about and fretting about is already worked out. You know, we used to sing a song years ago when I went to the black church. I'm trying to figure out a nice, nicer politically correct way to say it. I just couldn't arrive at anything. So when I went to the black church and we used to sing a song, while you're trying to figure it out, God's already worked it out. Some of y'all know that song? You know that song? I'm trying to get it in my head again. While you're trying to figure it out, it goes like this. The laws are ready to work it out. Work it out. Laws are ready to work it out. Y'all say, work it out. Y'all say, come on now. Y'all know. <laughs> While you're trying to figure it out. Laws are ready to work it out. Laws are ready to work it out. The laws are ready to work it out. The baby need a pair of shoes. Look, you got a light bill too. You even got a gas bill too. You even got a gas bill too. Why you trying to figure it out? The laws are ready to work it out. The laws are ready to work it out. The laws are ready to work it out, y'all. Ow, 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 y'all. Ow, 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 y'all. <laughs> oh man, we used to have fun. Where my people at? Where my people at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all sitting in Calvary Chapel. What you worrying about? God's already worked it out. <laughs> It gets stuck in your head, doesn't it? So the stone, listen, you know this. You've been around here at Calvary Chapel for some time now, huh? The stone was not rolled away. This heavy-duty problem that they had, the stone, was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out. You know that. The stone was rolled away so that Calvary Chapel Carrie could look in. And so that we, because you understand that Jesus was not trapped in the tomb. <laughs> 
He wasn't inside going, hey, somebody let me out. Hey, anybody out there? No. While in that tomb, listen to me, mortality took on immortality. Corruption took on incorruption. Jesus had gone from a physical body to a spiritual body, and he walked out of the tomb. And that is why Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus has gotten the victory. Is that right? Jesus has gotten the victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, in verses 4 through 12, just go ahead and peruse it, if you will. The women are greatly perplexed. Two men, angels, are sitting there. Matthew tells us that these two men were clothed in white garments, white as snow, Matthew says, and they looked like lightning. John tells us that one was at the head, the other at the feet, like cherubim on the mercy seat. And they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? In verse 6, he's not here. He's risen. They're probably scratching their heads. And the angel said, don't you remember he told you the son of man must be crucified and died, but on the third day he will rise again. And then they remembered his words. And the ladies went back and they told all these things to the 11 and the rest. And John tells us that Mary Magdalene told Peter and John. And then Peter and John took off running, John tells us. Peter and John took off running, and John arrives at the tomb before Peter. John tells us that he ran faster than Peter. <laughs> That's a deep spiritual thing to put in the Bible. And by the way, oh no, we'll be writing. And by the way, I ran faster than John. I want this to go down in historical records forever. John outran Peter to the tomb. They get to the tomb. They stoop down. They look in. They saw the linen clothes lying there and they left marveling and perplexed and befuddled at what had happened. Look at verse 13 through verse 27. If you're looking at verse 13 saying, say amen. Now behold, get this, watch this, behold, take note, two of them were traveling the same day, that would be resurrection morning, traveling the same day to a village called, what village is it, saints? That's correct, Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained. Get that? Their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, Jesus said, what things? I love that. I'll tell you why in a minute. What things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and 
our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him, Jesus, they did not see. And then he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning in verse 27, can y'all read it with me? And beginning at Moses, can everybody read it with me? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, we have two disciples heading to a village. The village is called Emmaus. And they are on the road to Emmaus. In verse 18, as we just read, we know one of them, his name is Cleopas. The other, we don't know his name. In 1 Corinthians 15, if you read that in your own time, it tells us that after Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to 500 people. Did y'all know that? Post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to 500 people. Make no mistake, he is risen from the grave. So he appears to 500 people. Now, we don't have all of those stories, but we do have this one, which is the longest post-resurrection story in the New Testament. So these guys are on the road to Emmaus, seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. And they're walking and they're talking and probably every step they take is heavy because they're disappointed, because they feel hopeless and in despair because Jesus is dead to them. Now, keep in mind, For three years, they've been following Jesus, and it was costly. They've been investing their time, their talent, their treasures into his ministry. Their families may have been alienated from them. They thought he was going to bring freedom, particularly from Rome. They thought he was going to bring prosperity and salvation, but then he was beaten and crucified and died and buried. And the one they trusted in is gone. And the one they placed their faith in is gone. And the one that they put their hope in is gone. And so they're feeling hopeless and helpless. Now, I want to note something here. We know the name, as I pointed out, we know the name of one of the disciples in verse 18. His name is Cleopas. We do not know the name of the second person. We are not told who they are. Now, from Children's Church, are you listening? From Children's Church, Vacation Bible School, Sunday School, we've all been led to believe that the other disciple is a man. I know as I was coming up as a child and coming through in the many years actually of studying and reading the Bible, I always assumed and believed that this other disciple was a man. But that may not be the case. Turn in your Bibles, hold your finger right here and turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. That may not be the case. Could be a woman. John chapter 19. Or we know that women were the last at the cross when he died and the first at the tomb 
Women were always involved in the ministry of Jesus. Look at verse 25. uh, John 19, verse 25. You looking at it? Say amen. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So saints, listen, it is possible that this second person is Mrs. Clopas. We don't know. But wouldn't it be really cool if this husband and wife are making their way back to Jerusalem and they're talking about the things that happened? And she says, honey, don't you remember? Oh, man, was that a trip? A trip? I mean, man, they, 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 did you see when they put the beam on him? And yeah, I saw that, honey. And man, they, they, they had a rope around his leg and they pulled it and he fell under the beam and Oh, it was just terrible, honey, the way they treated Jesus. Did you see that? Yeah. And then they put him up on the cross and and they nailed him and it was awful. And people were mocking him as this, possibly this couple is walking back to Jerusalem, having a conversation. This word conversation in the Greek language means to throw back and forth. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.